So I'm pretty excited about being able to be here with you guys today. If you have your backs to me, if you could turn your chairs around, it's really awkward for me to stare at your backs, because uh, then I don't know. I'm, I'm the youngest of four kids, and so I'm real self-conscious. I don't know if you're making fun of me uh, behind my back. So uh, make fun of me to my face. That's perfectly fine, okay? And uh, unless you're using your phones for reading Scripture, uh, just keep them away. What a catch. Isn't that amazing? I'm old and I still have reflexes. Uh, so uh, that would be wonderful. I know your phones are, are like your second, third, second hand? No, third hand? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so anyway, we're going to look at Luke chapter 6 to start out if you want to turn there, if you have your Bibles. We're going to actually go through some questions on Luke 6. Um, there's two different passages we're going to cover today. Uh, first one is from Luke 6, and then the second one is uh, a little further down. Um, and so we want to try to focus a little bit of our attention on Luke 6 first. So look at Luke 6, uh, verses 27 to 36 is what we're going to look at um, a little bit here. Actually, I think it's Luke 16. Hold on. Make sure I have my verses correct. Oh, no, it's Luke 6. Luke 6, 27. Kevin just texted me. Go, Tim. Thanks. I forgot to put my phone on silent. Uh, appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for the support. Uh, so Luke chapter 6, verses 27. I think it's on the screen. Uh, it says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, praise those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, uh, I just pray that you'll speak to us during this time. That your Holy Spirit will guide us as we look into your word. In your name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to ask you a few questions from this passage, and then we'll get into uh, more of the lesson as it goes. Um, the questions aren't the ones you have at your table. They're just ones I'm going to ask you from here. Um, look at verses 27 and 28, if we can go back to those verses on the screen. What are some commands that are given to us in these verses? Someone give me... Uh, uh, some commands that are given the first part. Do we have the first part? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 27, 28. Sorry. Uh, what, are, what are some? Who's, love your enemies. Thank you, sir. Uh, what are some other commands that are given? Go ahead. Don't be shy. What? Bless those who curse you. Oh, that's always fun. What else? Turn the other cheek. Uh, there's something about praying, right? Like doing good to others who hate you. It's pretty easy, right? 
pray for those who abuse you. Wow. It's kind of interesting. So these are all things that, this isn't just like a, a mere suggestion. These are commands that are given. Commands that are given to us by Jesus. They're not commands given to us by your parents, by your teachers, or anything like that. These are Jesus' words. If anybody knew about uh, doing good to those who hated him, it was Jesus. Persecuted. Abused. And so Jesus gives these commands, and a command, as far as I know, it's not really an option. So when we're talking about this, these heal, this series of heal, and this series of difficult things that maybe some of you have been through, we're talking about uh, some tough stuff. So we need to understand that I'm going to acknowledge before you that some of you have been through some things that are a lot more horrible than I could ever imagine going through. Some of you have been abused, verbally or physically. Some of you have had difficult times in your life. Some of you uh, have gone through the divorce of your parents. The statistics are right, over half of you have. And so all of us have been through difficult times and we need healing. And we've had people... Hopefully, uh, those that are on their phones are reading Scripture, because I'm seeing some things on phones right now that really annoys me, especially when we're talking about the Bible. So when we're talking about our enemies, Jesus is saying to us, we need to love them, and we need to pray for them. How many of you in here would say that you have enemies? Anybody? Some of you are like, I don't have any enemies. Everyone loves me. Well, you're clueless. Uh <laughs> Contrary to what you might think, not everybody loves you. I'm an extreme optimist, but I know there's people that don't like me. Maybe some people in this room. Get over it. I'll get over it. You can get over it. But here's the deal. We all have enemies. But Jesus is saying to us, we aren't to despise them. We're not to talk to behind their back. We're not to gossip about them. We're actually supposed to pray for them. And not only pray for them like in a gossipy kind of way, but pray for them in a loving way. You know, sometimes the whole praying for your enemies thing can be like, you know, let's pray for so-and-so, and then you pray, but you really just talk about them and almost make fun of them in your prayers. It's kind of a weird thing, but that's what we Christians do sometimes. So he asks us uh, some things that we need to do. Uh, verses 29 and 30, you know, he says to have patience and be generous to them. These are talking about your enemies now. Uh, he also tells us to do to them what we would like done to ourselves. So he's not just talking. I don't know if you guys are writing love notes to each other over here. I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, but uh, he's not just talking about you. Like, sorry, here we got Faith and we got Amanda's visiting today. Welcome back, Amanda. Uh, so say Faith and Amanda are great friends. And so, of course, right? Amanda's going to treat Faith how she would like to be treated, right? And she's going to give to her, and she's going to, you know, if she has something, maybe Amanda's cold right now because the air just came on, Faith's going to give her a sweater, right? Go, go ahead. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, you know, she's going to do that. She's her friend, of course, because she's her friend. She's going to do those things. She's going to look out for her. But this isn't the context here that he's talking about. He's talking about enemies, 
And he's saying, share with your enemies. Do good to those who hurt you. Your mom or your dad who treat you horribly, he's saying, do good to them. Love them. Pray for them. Share with them. Be generous with them. It's a difficult thing that Jesus is asking. So he's just not saying, just do this to your friends, but he's saying, look, if I, you know, if you guys did that, she can repay you, right? She can repay you. Oh, look at that. Another good catch. Uh, so she can repay you, uh, that favor back, but your enemies aren't necessarily going to repay you. I mean, they may repay you, but not the way you want, right? So your enemy isn't going to treat you respectfully, and they're probably not going to pray for you. They're not going to love you. They're not going to share with you. And so Jesus is saying, yeah, it's easy for you to do good to people that are cool with you, but it's very difficult to do good to people who hate you and even abuse you or have even caused pain in your life. Some of you have some deep, deep hurts in your lives because of what your parents have done. Even godly parents who have divorced and you're like, what in the world's going on? And it hurts and it cuts deep and it's there and it doesn't go away. And Jesus is asking you to pray for them, to love them, to treat them with respect and honor. And the last part of that passage in verse 35, he says actually those who do this will have a reward. Not sure exactly what those rewards are, but he does describe that one day when we stand before God, we will be rewarded for how we treat our enemies. And that there's a special reward for those who treat our enemies with love and respect. So we're going to kind of move on to this other part, this other passage of Scripture. And it's Colossians chapter 3, if you want to turn there. Colossians chapter 3. When it comes to the heal stuff and this heal series, uh, sometimes there's some issues that we have to address, uh, which is the extreme narcissism in our society, where everything is about us. Everything is about me. I take my selfies. I post them on everything imaginable, Twitter, Instagram, and everything else. I know Facebook's dead for high schoolers most likely, but uh, for everything else, we got our selfies going on, right? And everything is about how things affect us. So when it comes to heal. And this series, sometimes we can try to teach this series as like a self-help series, which it's not. Because if bad things were done to you, I'm sorry that they were, but for some reason they were meant to happen. If you study the book of Job, you'll see that sometimes bad things are meant to happen to you. So it's not always that you have to like, Heal from it in the sense of that shouldn't have happened to you. I'm so sorry. What I'm here to say to you, some of you, is that that unfortunately was supposed to happen to you. And that sounds bad. Because a lot of people say to you, no, that wasn't meant to be. That was a mistake. But then you would be saying that God makes mistakes. And then in his sovereignty, he doesn't know what's going on. He's like a, a, a lunatic grandfather who's clueless, right? And he has no idea what's happening. Oops, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. God's in control. So we have to face that and recognize, look, there's a reason why this happened. Now I need to move on to healing. But the way the Bible describes how to move on to healing is a little different than maybe the world describes healing. 
The world describes healing uh, mostly by you going to sit on a couch and listen to some dude or girl tell you how you should heal. And most of it, or a lot of it, if it's, especially if it's not Christian counseling, is focused on you. And I believe in Christian counseling. I believe that there's all, a lot of us, including myself, that need it. But what happens a lot of times is it becomes an inward focus and it's all about me, I'm hurt, I'm this, I'm that. And instead of what Christ is calling us to, a different kind of healing, which is action. It's healing through action. And so uh, this passage talks a little bit about action. Um, you know, we struggle with this concept of treating our enemies fairly and righteously because we don't understand the gospel. We don't understand that we were an enemy of God. You, sitting here, like me, maybe some of you that grow, grew up in church, you were, you were born and a few weeks later you were at church. That was me and that's some of you. And even though I was at church at two weeks old, and I've been in church ever since because my dad's a pastor, <laughs> and they have church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. It's kind of crazy, but yeah, they do. And I've been in church a lot. But you know what I was before I trusted Christ? I was an enemy of God. And so you're talking about how you treat your enemies. You look to Jesus and you see that you were an enemy of God. You were on the wrong side. And God sent His Son Jesus to reconcile you to God because you were an enemy of God. And so if you see it that way, instead of focused on yourself and the bad things that were done to you, you actually see what God did for you, then healing takes place. Because you see, I was an enemy and God loved me unconditionally. I was an enemy and He gave me healing. And so now I can pass that along to my enemies. The healing that comes from the cross. And so one of the concepts that we're going to discuss here is being all in. And it's actually the theme of FCA this year. Uh, the topic of being all in. And in order for us to, to really embrace true healing in our lives, we need to understand this concept of being all in. And I, have a, uh, I think I have a picture up here that kind of describes being all in. Uh, on this slide, yeah, you lost my slide. Right, I'm gonna, now I'm going to have to just paint the picture. Okay, uh, <clears throat> maybe Andrew has a picture on his phone. Uh, but the picture I did have, uh, I really did. I, I, I'm not a slacker on this lesson anyway. Uh, for you was a picture of LaShawn McCoy. Does anybody know who LaShawn McCoy is? Anybody know who he is? Graham does. It's, he has a poster on his wall, I heard. Of LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy is a running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, some of you know I'm from Philadelphia, so I'm a big Eagles fan. They're in first place in the NFC East right now. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. Um, McCoy, oh, look, look at that. You guys are awesome. So he's even got his championship belt on his shoulder. Uh, so LaShawn McCoy comes in and he's part of the Eagles and they get rid of their coach and they bring a new coach in, Chip Kelly. And this guy's from Oregon, and he's, uh, he's got a lot of weird things that he does with his teams, and he asks them to do some crazy stuff, but he's a proven winner. And so uh, he came in telling LaShawn McCoy to do certain things, and McCoy was like, uh, hold on a second, this is crazy. So some of the things he asked him to do sounded really stupid. But because Chip Kelly was a proven winner, and he asked him to do them, 
he was a little reluctant, but he did. And one of the things is that he wears a sleep monitor. And his coach tells him he has to have 12 hours of sleep a night. Some of you are like, man, I need that monitor. I need that coach, right? Uh, but he told him that you have to get 12 hours of sleep. No compromises. You get that sleep because it's very important to your success. He also had to kick a lot of the stuff out of his diet that he was used to, including sugar. And uh, any of you who like sugar, especially those sonic drinks in the afternoon, uh, would, would have a very difficult time with Chip Kelly as well. And so he was asking him to do lots of things, a lot more in this article that ESPN did on him. And they were asking him to do lots of weird things, but you know what he did? He finally bought in, and he did it. And last year, he was the best running back in the NFL. And so it's kind of interesting uh, when it comes to this example. It's kind of like what we're going to be talking about here in Colossians is that until LaShawn McCoy went all in and he actually said, I'm going to do whatever the coach says, he really was going to be a good running back and have some success in the league. But until he went to be all in, he really didn't have the success that he would have had. And so it's kind of interesting. Think about the, the phrase, these two words being all in. Uh, think about a definition of that. Someone described to me, what does it mean, do you think, to be all in? What does it mean? Don't be shy. What does it mean to be all in? I'm going to call on somebody in a second. So. What's that? I'd give up, to give up something. What else? To be all in. Kevin, what's it mean to be all in? Completely dedicated to something. It's kind of interesting. Uh, if you look up in Webster's, you know what it says? Girls in the back, listen up. Yeah, I can see you, thanks. Uh, this is what it says. To be all in, it means... To be tired and exhausted. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Most of the time you think all in, okay, I'm going to do what you say. But this definition of all in means to be tired and exhausted, which really goes well with what we're talking about today. Tired and exhausted. Colossians 3.17, if you have that chapter open in your Bibles, it says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do. So it's kind of interesting, this statement, if you read it, is kind of generic. He just says, whatever you do, and, and you might be like, Paul, uh, could you help me out here? Whatever I do, could you be a little more specific? Because some people just say, that's just a blanket statement. And I don't know about you, but like, um, for example, I don't know if any of you are in relationships, uh, but like with my wife and I, she's very detailed. She's a list maker. Anybody in here a list maker? Do you guys like lists? Anybody? Go ahead, raise your hand. It's all right. Don't be shy. List makers. So you list makers, you love detail, right? And, and so for me, I don't make lists. I don't make lists for anything. I have like papers all over my desk. If you went in my office, it was just like a bomb blew up of paper on my desk, but I know where everything is, most of it, uh, and so she's a list maker, and she has details, and so uh, in this passage, if I read it, I'm like, hey, Paul, help me out here, 
Can you verbally tell me some stuff? Because I'm not writing a list down. And so Paul is saying, okay, let me give you a little list. And if you go passage before that, a few verses before that, Paul helps us out. He gives us a list of what it means to be all in. Colossians 3 verse 12 uh, through 16 kind of gives us an understanding of what it means to be all in. First of all, Paul, you know, I, I really like how Paul writes his scripture because he, uh, he gives us understanding through a lot of times sports analogies. Uh, and so I kind of relate to that sometimes uh, when it comes to sports analogies. And he, he, he gives one here in verse 12. He says, uh, look at Colossians 3.12. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones. He says, put on. And when Paul speaks a lot of times, he talks about like almost like athletic type activity. And I imagine like if it was me, you know, playing football, I'm putting the pads on. Uh, so in Ephesians, he talks about warfare, the armor of God, putting on. He talks also about boxing, you know, put on your boxing gloves. And so Paul, a lot of times, is referring uh, to athletics, athletic competition. So here, it's kind of like this image I get of putting something on. What am I going to wear spiritually so that I can be all in? So that I can heal, but I can also offer healing to somebody else, including my enemies. And so he's saying here in Colossians, he, he gives you a list to help us understand. So what are we to put on? Look at verse 12. Holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So in order to be all in, here's a few things that we are to put on. These aren't, again, options. These aren't like, maybe I should get around to this. This is a command that's given in God's Word for you to put on these things. So you look at this list. Compassion and kindness. We have a compassion offering that we do. We have a food drive that's going on right now. You have people in your school that need compassion and kindness. People in your neighborhoods, people in your youth group that you hear of that need help. We're called to compassion and kindness. We're called to humility and meekness. Humility and meekness. In Philippians 2.3 it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Count others more significant than yourself. Everybody look up here real quick. This is pretty important. Philippians chapter 2 describes this and it's, kind of exemplified here in this passage, but we need to understand that the Christian life, when we come to a point where we trust Christ to be all in and to experience healing for ourselves and to be able to give that healing out, we need to consider Philippians chapter 2 and memorize it. Especially these verses where it says, don't look out just for yourself. Paul's saying, I know you'll look out for yourself because you're human. But now you need to consider and put on humility 
and look out for the needs of others. Then he says, be patient. Bear with one another. How many of you have siblings? Anybody have siblings? you got brothers and sisters? Okay, this one here uh, is a tough one. And he gives us this command, and this is the first thing I think of uh, when I hear that statement, bear with one another. I'm the youngest of four kids, and I will have to say that both my sisters and my brother uh, had to have an extra dose of this passage right here to bear with me. Because I was one of the most annoying little brothers you can imagine. Now some of you, like, I know some of you from junior high, I know how annoying you were. I don't know if you're still annoying. But I know how annoying you were in junior high. No offense, but you were. Uh, But I know that because I was more annoying than you. And people had to bear with me. (laughs) My parents, man, God bless them, they had to bear with me without killing me. Because I was so annoying. But we're not called to bear with those who are easy to bear with, right? Look at that passage in Luke 6. He's saying, no, you're bearing even with your enemies. Not just putting up with them, bearing with them. Forgiveness, it's interesting that forgiveness follows that statement. We should be forgiving. We should put on forgiveness. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you, Ephesians 4.32 says. Then he uh, includes, you know, he has this list, but then he throws in two words, above all. Above all. What does he say, above all? Put on love, above all. Seems like he's shooting over from 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, where he says, now abides faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. He says, above all, put on love. And then he throws in a few more. Peace and thankfulness. Talks about being thankful and having peace. Some of you are anxious right now. You may be anxious over things that have been done to you. You may be anxious because uh, you're afraid you might get Ebola. I have no idea why you're anxious today. But (laughs) some of you are, and you're prone to worry, right? And and the Bible says you can have peace. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Then he concludes it, this passage, uh, to understand what it means to be all in by telling you to get together and sing songs together and study God's Word. It's kind of interesting. Some of you are like, I don't want to sing. I mean, looked around today and like some of you are just like, some of you are like standing next to a girl. It's really interesting as a, as a, a youth pastor for all these years, I love watching students. Not in a creepy way because that's weird, but I, you know, I like watching students. And I like to watch how they react with the people around them. So when Dan and the, and the Danettes are up here singing, right? And they're up here singing. And I look around almost without fail. If a guy is standing with a girl he kind of likes, he's not singing. It's, I'm, I'm telling you, I could put money on it. I'm not a betting man normally, but uh, mostly. But you could put money on it. It's kind of interesting, a little side note. But, uh, but he says sing. He says sing songs together. He says study God's Word together. This is part of being all in for the Gospel. And it's part of actually experiencing healing together is corporate worship, is being together, singing together, reading the Word, doing what we're doing right now, studying the Word together brings healing. And so it's a powerful thing. Paul isn't just throwing that in there 
he has a purpose for what he is saying. And even singing, <laughs> uh, for some of you that might get embarrassed. Um, for some of you that are, are time people and you're looking at your clock and you're like, how are we going to have discussion uh, too? Well, I'm going long, so we're not doing discussion, so you can just chill out. Uh, you're probably the list makers too, the ones that are looking at your clock, right? Uh, <clears throat> Dan, I know, is a list maker back there, right? Uh, so uh, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. All right, so I'm going to conclude with this uh, little illustration. That's a beautiful picture, by the way. It's amazing. Uh, you guys want to show that? Hold that up. That is amazing. She's, she's, she's like actively drawing what I'm talking about. So uh, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, give her a big hand. That's great. Uh, so... So it's kind of interesting as you, uh, as you study the Word and as you look at Colossians, there's, there's this challenge to be all in and this challenge to put on these things. And as I thought about this, I thought about being all in and I thought about uh, our little guy, Owen. Some of you have seen Owen around and he is a little guy who we are in the process of adopting. So right now we're still in a foster situation but hoping to adopt him, our trial in court you can be praying for starts November 3rd, uh, pretty quick. So I thought about Owen when I thought about being all in. And you guys listen up real quick. Look up here because I want you to focus on this. So when I thought about being all in, I thought about when we first got Owen. Owen was, uh, <clears throat> he was taken from his mom and we were called and said if we want to uh, have him in our home, uh, we need to be home in two hours because he's going to be at our door. He's one week old. We're like, hey, let's go. We've been waiting for this for a while. Let's do this. But it's a foster situation, so you're not quite sure if you're going to get to keep the little guy or not. And so he's there, but you're kind of worried that he's not going to be there. And so even as he entered our home and as I, I played with him and, and stayed up with him and got up with him in the middle of the night to feed him and all these things, I had this hesitancy in my mind as a dad of being all in because maybe he might be taken back. And so as I, I played with him and as I changed his clothes and changed his diaper, I did all that stuff. And it was pretty nasty, but I did it anyway. And so as I did that, I started to change from being hesitant to being thinking fostering to thinking adoption. And thinking that this little guy is already ours. And so the mindset that took place, this change in mind, went from he's kind of, we're just kind of watching him, to actually going from that to being all in with him. That everything that happens is uh, that he's our son, and that he's part of our family. And so I went from picturing him this way to he might be gone in a day so I can't attach myself too much to him. I can't be too close because then I'll get hurt when he gets taken away, if he gets taken away. And, and then the mindset shifted from that to being all in with this little guy. And I thought about this, I, I, this as I was preparing this lesson. It just popped in my head. Actually, it popped in my head as I was changing a nasty diaper. It was really weird. Uh, but uh, my brain works different maybe than yours, but this popped in my head. Most of you are like, I just want to get the poop out of there. And, but no, for me it was like, ah, this is a little, little light bulb time. 
And uh, this was, hey, God has taken what was a situation where it was like, I'm going to kind of be hands-off. I don't want to get too close to being jumping all in with this little guy. And it's a picture, adoption is a great picture of what God has done for us. If you look at the passage of Scripture, Romans 8.15, it says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons or daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. God proved that He was all in for you by adopting you. And so for me, in this personal situation, it gives me a great glimpse of what God did for me, and how I should respond to Him. Because God gave His Son, Jesus, His only Son, for me and for you. He was all in, tired and exhausted from giving His Son for you. And what is our response? What are we called to do? Colossians chapter 3 sums it up pretty well. We are to put on these things. We are to study the Word. We are to be in prayer together, singing together. We are to be devoted to God and devoted even to our enemies, treating them with respect and honor that they may not deserve in our minds. And we're called to be all in just as God was all in with us. So when we commit to being all in for the sake of the Gospel, you know, many of our deepest wounds are healed because we understand the one who overcame the ultimate hurt and rejection. And that one is now living in and through us. The one, Jesus Christ, who experienced the ultimate rejection, the ultimate slap in the face, and that's putting it lightly, the ultimate persecution and the ultimate death, even the rejection from His own Father, God Himself. If we can understand the Gospel that way, then we see the hurts that we go through are the hurts that Jesus went through. And the hurts that Jesus went through, we have an advocate. We have somebody on our behalf who's been through it all before us. And we can be healed. Just as Jesus was risen from the dead, that same power can heal us. Let's pray. Dear God, we uh, praise you and thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you for the challenge to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us, to do good to them. Lord, it's a difficult command. But so was sending your son Jesus to die on the cross. Lord, uh, I pray that we will be all in, that we will put on these things that Paul calls us to put on. And recognize if we know you, if we are Christians, then we have the power of the Holy Spirit to teach us, to show us, to put these things on in our lives. I pray for the students in here that are going through severe pain and need healing. That they will understand that as they embrace the cross, and as they understand the gospel, that you will actually bring healing to their lives. I praise you, Father, for your Son, Jesus, sacrifice on the cross for our sins, for the new life we have as we trust in Him. 
pray you bless each one of these young people this week. That you allow them to confess the hatred that they have for their enemies. That they will turn from the sin of gossip. That they will look to you for the supernatural love that can only come from you for those that hurt them. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, uh, so we kind of.